Welcome to the Danny Picard Show, Wednesday, November 18th, 2015. As always, broadcasting from the Beantown Athletics Studio in Dorchester, Massachusetts. Beantown Athletics, the only in-house union screen printer in Boston, specializing in custom uniforms and business apparel, and now home of an on-the-spot embroidery service. Also home of the best skate shopping in New England. So grab your skates, swing by the shop on Granite Ave in Dorchester. There is plenty of parking out back. Give them a call for more information on all your screen printing and embroidery needs. 617-282-4181. That's 617-282-4181. Or go to BeantownAthletics.com right now and make sure you tell them I sent you. So it is a Wednesday, which means I will give you my Week 11 preview in the NFL every Wednesday. I preview the upcoming week in the National Football League, going over each and every game. We got 14 games on the schedule this week, beginning with the Tennessee Titans in Jacksonville to take on the Jaguars on Thursday night football tomorrow night. And then ending on Monday night with the Buffalo Bills here in New England against the Patriots on Monday Night Football. So I'll do that today, but first got to go over a couple things, a couple of the biggest pieces of news uh, today, this morning, on this Wednesday, November 18th, that is not football-related. And uh, I'll begin with the biggest news around the country in the world of sports, and that's the Houston Rockets have fired their coach, Kevin McHale. It is his fifth season with the team, He signed a three-year extension with the Rockets in December. So this is a little shocking. I mean, you saw, if you watched the Celtics-Rockets game the other night in which the Celtics in Houston just whooped the Rockets. I mean, this was a game that was tied at the half, 55-55. I don't know what was said in that halftime speech or, or what was done in that during that halftime, but the Rockets came out and they got whooped by the Celtics in the third quarter. And the body language from the players on the Houston Rockets team, and even Kevin McHale on the sideline, wondering what the hell was going on with his team's body language during that game as they started to fall behind and fall behind big to the Boston Celtics on their own court in Houston. Kevin McHale, I mean, he was visibly frustrated with not just his team's performance in that one, but his team's body language. And I said it on this podcast yesterday. I mean... If if you are relying on Dwight Howard to be a leader of that team, then you're gonna you're lost. Now let's give Kevin McHale some credit. He took this Rockets team to the Western Conference Finals last year, and they lost to a pretty damn good Golden State Warriors team that ended up going on to win a championship. And the Golden State Warriors, by the way, right now are the only undefeated team in the NBA. They are 12 and 0. They are in L.A. to take on the Clippers tomorrow night, so that'll be an interesting game. But, you know, that's a look at the NBA. The Houston Rockets right now, they are 4-7. and seven. And I, I'm telling you, I did not expect them to fire Kevin McHale. But that's the breaking news today. You know, I come in, I turn on SportsCenter, I go online, I look at all the major news stories. The biggest sports story right now is is that the Houston Rockets have fired Kevin McHale. And I look at some of the reaction around the league to this story, and Magic Johnson tweets a couple things, which, if you've listened to me the last couple days, you know 
I believe this to be true, and I think Magic Johnson is right on the money when he says, quote, from his tweet, Magic Johnson says, if it's true the Houston Rockets have fired Coach McHale, they made a big mistake. His next tweet says, the Rockets have great individual players, but they don't have great team players. And he's right on the money. Look, James Harden is a great talent. He's somebody that you know, is going to go out and lead the team in scoring. He's, he can take over games offensively. But you even look at maybe his attitude, right? I, I mean, this is a guy that left an Oklahoma City team that really had a chance to be, and still is a chance, if Kevin Durant can get back and get healthy and if they, act, if they end up keeping Kevin Durant around in the last year of his contract. You know, I assume they'll keep him around and maybe do a sign and trade at the end of the season if he doesn't want to stay there. But, I mean, you know, if you look at James Harden, he wanted to go somewhere to be the go-to top dog. That's what, that was his goal. That's what he wanted to do. And he, he joins, so he signs with the Rockets. He gets the big deal, and he gets the big money sneaker deal that we just heard about. And um, he finished second in MVP voting last year. So he's a tremendous individual talent. You wonder where his head's at with regards to to what he wants for his team. And while this group did go to the Western Conference Finals last year, it's certainly not because Dwight Howard is a team player. We know that. I I mean, I'm not so sure that I want to sit here and, and crucify James Harden for not being a team player. I actually don't know him well enough, uh, his personality, or follow him enough to actually know if he is a team player or not. But what I do know is I have followed Dwight Howard around in this league for a very long time, a long enough time to know that he is not a team player, that Dwight Howard is the first guy that when the going gets tough, he's the first one to pout. He's the first one whose body language would be, hey, fuck this, I've given up, I make a lot of money, and this isn't about us, this is about me, I'm unhappy, and here's how I'm going to react. I'm going to hang my head and I'm going to mope around, and I'm not going to be the impact player that I probably should be for the size and athleticism that I have. I do not like Dwight Howard. I am so glad he is not on the Celtics. I'm so glad, you know, because the last couple of years, people had talked, where would Dwight Howard end up? You know, he goes to the Lakers. He ends up in Houston. And, and some people had floated his name out at the time about, well, would the Celtics be interested? And I sat there and said, no, 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 no. This guy has all the athletic talent in the world, but he just doesn't put it to good use. He doesn't. And he is not a leader. So when I see Magic Johnson's tweet, I think exactly what he's talking about when he says they have great individual players in Houston, but they do not have great team players. The first guy that comes to my mind is Dwight Howard. I said this yesterday after watching that game with the Celtics the other night. I'll say it again today now that Kevin McHale is the guy that takes the hit for a Houston Rockets team that begins the season 4-7. and seven. And you saw just from their body language against the Celtics the other night that there were some things that weren't going right. And when the going gets tough, it, the easiest thing for an organization to do is to fire the coach. That's, that's, that's the harsh reality of professional sports, right? I don't know that Houston's looking at it going, well, Kevin McHale's the problem. You need a change. You need to give this team a kick in the behind, a team that went to the Western Conference Finals last year that, like I mentioned, still, and like Magic Johnson mentioned, still has great individual talent, especially with James Harden. But again, I, the leadership, I, I, it, it's just not there with those players, but you might need to give them a kick in the behind, and Kevin McHale's going to be the guy that's gone. It's the easiest thing to do in sports when the going gets tough, fire the coach. 
Uh, because one thing we do know in Houston, at least, and with at least one of those players in Dwight Howard, when the going gets tough, Dwight Howard is not going to get going. I have seen that with my own eyes year after year after year. So you could make the argument that, sure, the wrong guy left, the wrong guy is gone, the wrong guy is getting ousted. Kevin McHale deserves to stay because he was the coach of a team that went to the Western Conference Finals last year, and you just signed him to a multi-year deal in December. I get that. That sounds right. It sounds good, but it's not the way. And I agree with you, by the way. Kevin McHale shouldn't be fired, but the way that these things work, it's much easier to get rid of Kevin McHale than it is some of their superstar talent. And uh, at the end of the day, it's a business, and the superstar talent, uh, they are the players whose jerseys are being sold. They are the players who, those are the players that people are coming to see. You know, people aren't showing up in Houston to see Kevin McHale coach. As, as much as this is not his fault and he should not be let go right now, that's the harsh reality of the business that is the NBA and in a bigger picture, professional sports. So Kevin McHale is out in Houston um, and uh, soon to be out in Boston is David Ortiz. Different sport. I get it. But um, back to the local impact that this is having on me today, yesterday's podcast. Uh, This news, Ken Rosenthal, I was going over the Jose Fernandez trade rumors. That Jose Fernandez, and if you didn't listen, go back and listen to yesterday's podcast. You can listen every day that you want. I'm here every weekday, but you can listen whenever you want to any show that you want at dannypicard.com. Also, subscribe to the Danny Picard Show on iTunes. And guess what? I've been approved to get this podcast on Google Play. That's right, Google Play is going to have podcasts coming up soon. I don't know exactly when, but it will be soon. So for people who do not have iPhones, and I get this question a lot, Danny, hey, we love your show, but you know it's tough to listen on your website on my phone. Do you have an app? And I don't have my own app yet. That's in the works. That is in the works. I'm going to be getting my own app coming up soon. So uh, keep, keep an eye on that and follow me on Twitter and Facebook to get the updates. But for right now, if you don't have an iPhone and you don't have iTunes and you, st- you have like a Samsung or you have a Droid and you get your stuff through Google Play, coming up soon you will be able to get this podcast I- I- through the Google Play network. Uh, but that is not yet. So in the meantime, you can download the TuneIn app. I would say that that's my advice. Now, there's multiple podcast apps that are out there if you don't have an iPhone, that you could still get this podcast. There's many. I mean, you could go to the Google Play Store right now and search podcasts, and there would be a couple podcast applications that you could download in which this show would be synced up to some of those networks, and you'd be able to get this show on that app. But if you want a direct app, one that I know works, one that you can follow this show on, and each show every day will automatically be put to that app, I know for sure the TuneIn app, T-U-N-E-I-N, it is free. You can download it on your phone, even if you don't have an iPhone, and you can subscribe to the Danny Picard Show and get this show each and every day and any show that you want. But yesterday on this show, on this podcast, I was going over to Jose Fernandez trade rumors because he's rumored to be moved this offseason, and I said I need the Red Sox to be all in on that. And as I was reading some tweets with the Jose Fernandez rumors, I refreshed my Twitter, and Ken Rosenthal pops up during the show. During the show, Ken Rosenthal pops up, and he says, Sources, David Ortiz 
expected to retire after the 2016 season. And it wasn't really a shock at the time that David Ortiz was going to retire after 2016. Because to be quite honest with you, I'm not, there isn't really a shock aspect to this. Like, I understand David Ortiz has shown us that he can still play. I mean, in 2015, he hit 273 in 146 games. Uh, in 500, 528 at-bats, David Ortiz hit 37 home runs, 108 RBIs. David Ortiz could still play. We've seen that. He can still play at a high level, right? DH for this team, moving forward, you'd think, okay, this is the last year of his deal, but if he has another season like this, gets off to a hot start in the first half, maybe we're talking about an extension for another year or two and think this guy could play till he's 41, 42 years old, give him a couple more years. You know, let Dave Dombrowski get his pieces in order, bring in his start and pitching to, to rebuild this rotation, and David Ortiz can be a part of that. Okay, and I think that's another reason why we have entertained the idea, at least outside of the Red Sox organization. You know, we've all been putting our GM caps on, and we pretty much most of us have traded Hanley Ramirez in our fantasy GM world, in which we play fantasy GM of the Boston Red Sox, right? or fantasy president of baseball operations for the Boston Red Sox. We've all moved Hanley Ramirez in some type of trade that has opened up first base for either somebody that you could also go out and acquire, or maybe even just for Travis Shaw every day to play that spot, because DH is just not open for business right now. So when this news comes out, Yesterday, literally, while I'm recording this podcast, now you don't get to listen to the podcast live, but I mean, I'm not sitting here doing really any editing work to the show. I'm, I'm, I'm recording the show and I'm dishing it out to you. That's, that's the way this works. I upload it and it goes to iTunes, any other podcast apps that, that links this show. And, um, it goes to, I, I put it on my website. DannyPicard.com, but when I record, I'm recording everything real time at the time I record, and, and I saw the story, and I reacted the way I saw it on Twitter, and I feel the same way with regards to shock value as now as I felt yesterday, which is I'm not really shocked, even though the numbers are good, and David Ortiz has shown us he can play at a high level, I'm not really shocked, because he is getting older, today is his 40th birthday, And, I mean, a 40-year-old guy who has been in Major League Baseball for 19 years, I'm never going to be shocked if somebody like that says, I'm calling it quits. I mean, I'm just not. And uh, especially a guy like David Ortiz, who has accomplished really everything you could possibly want to accomplish as a Major League All-Star in this league, the All-Star games, the championships, um, you know, the World Series MVP. I mean, he's done it. David Ortiz has done it all, right? So what else does this guy really need to do? Well, I look at it this way. I I saw this news yesterday, and I said to myself, and I told you, and my real-time reaction, and I'm sticking with it today, is that, and this was before I saw what I'm about to tell you has happened today. I'm saying to myself, David Ortiz just wants to walk away. That's it. He wants to walk away. People had their conspiracy theories. I heard people on the radio yesterday. I heard people on TV last night. Saw people on TV last night. I see people talking, hear people talking. I see on Twitter. 
People love their conspiracy theories, and they took the Hanley Ramirez stuff, wanting to put him at DH. They took the whole aspect of the Red Sox, maybe wanting to just cut ties with David Ortiz uh, and, and have this big farewell tour and make some money so that he doesn't go do it somewhere else after the season because they don't want to pay him the big bucks again because he is older. All these conspiracy theories, like they made David Ortiz retire. And I said it yesterday. I said it this morning when I woke up thinking about it. I'm like, no, I don't think so. I don't think what is so crazy. Like, what is so crazy about a 40-year-old dude who's been in Major League Baseball for 19 years, 162 games in a season? What is so crazy about a guy after 19 years going into his 20th season, 40 years old, wanted to just call it quits? Even though he's shown he can still play. I mean, what? I, I, I just think that people are so caught up in the, in the drama or the controversy that they just don't even see the light of day, and they just cannot accept common sense. They can't do it. There's so many people like that. So I am thrilled today, while also somewhat heartbroken, that David Ortiz has announced and made it official that 2016 will be his final season in Major League Baseball. That's right. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, I said heartbroken because it is heartbreaking. Not shocking, heartbreaking. And sort of bittersweet because I am glad that David Ortiz is going out on his own terms. And I'm glad that he is really today shutting up all the people and conspiracy theorists that are so caught up in controversy in this town that they cannot understand what common sense actually is. And common sense is a 40-year-old dude who's going to be playing 20 seasons in Major League Baseball has accomplished everything that, you've, that you would want to accomplish in your career and then some wanted to just call it quits. Okay, he is shutting those people up today with this video that he has put on the Players' Tribune website. We've seen David Ortiz write things on the Players' Tribune website. And uh, today, David Ortiz, he released a two and a half minute video on his 40th birthday. Looks directly into the camera, wearing a t-shirt that says, ride or die. He ends it with, quote, time is up, so let's enjoy next season. Yeah. It's hard to say goodbye. I tell you what, and that's why I'm heartbroken today. Because, you know, you really think about it. The harsh reality of David Ortiz's career being over. I say this all the time. We, we love, people love to complain in this town. And uh, I, look, I, I, I complain too. When things aren't going well, I complain. But there have, there's been... There's been a good amount of time here in the last two or three years where I have stepped back throughout those complaints and said, you know what, Danny, enjoy what's going on right now because it is never going to be like this. I mean, we got the Patriots just downright dominant to the point where we look at them and say nobody can beat them. I mean, we look at them and we just overlook teams week in and week out, much like I am overlooking the Buffalo Bills on Monday night, right? And uh, we got the Red Sox haven't won it in 2013. They won it in 07. They won it in 04. We got the Bruins won a cup in 2011. The Celtics, they had their little run there with Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett, and they're an exciting team again right now, and they have Brooklyn's first-round pick. So they have so many options in which we know the Celtics are going to be a very successful team again and a championship contender, in my opinion, very soon. Maybe not this season, but very soon. 
the good times, they are right now. The great times, they are right now, and I've embraced it. Throughout the complaints and the controversy and the drama, I've told you many times, and I've used the Patriots as an example. When Brady and Belichick are bronzed in Canton, right? The times, they might not be so great here in New England. <laughs> in fact, I'll guarantee you, they'll never be as great as they are right now. So, David Ortiz, that era of greatness, he's a major part of that. And uh, 2004, you know my stories about being at games four and five of the 2004 ALCS. Being at game one of that World Series where David Ortiz helped run Woody Williams off the mound with Woody with a big home run. I mean, David Ortiz was the guy. He took the team on his back 2007. 2013, you look at David Ortiz's postseason numbers. I mean, look, just look at him. People who say, oh, he's not, he's not a Hall of Famer. And you'll get into the whole PED possibility stuff with David Ortiz. And um, Look, I look at his postseason. And I've seen guys who have failed steroid tests. I've seen guys who have been caught. I've seen those same guys have zero success in the postseason. I've seen those guys not even be able to make it out of the minor leagues. And uh, whatever you think David Ortiz did or didn't do, you cannot ignore the numbers. And you especially cannot ignore the postseason numbers. The three World Series that David Ortiz has been in, a career 455 batting average in three World Series. 14 World Series games. Okay? 14. Two of those World Series, the first two in 04 and 07, they were sweeps and Red Sox wins. They were all Red Sox wins. But the first two were, were sweeps. Eight straight wins. David Ortiz, again, 455 career batting average in those three World Series. Three home runs and 14 RBIs. And uh, in his postseason career, 17 series, he is a career 295 postseason hitter with 17 home runs and 60 RBIs in 82 postseason games he is an absolute stud he is the definition of clutch and really he's the best thing that's ever happened to the Boston Red Sox he is you know I love Pedro Martinez and um you know there's a handful of other Red Sox that that uh you know I in in my career as a Red Sox fan which is my whole life I've been obsessed with but David Ortiz, Big Poppy, he was the guy. Okay? He's the guy. And um, uh, it's like the song says, it's hard to say goodbye. And so there is an aspect of me being heartbroken today while also being happy that he has come out and has spoken about his impending retirement after 2016, after next season. And basically shutting everybody up that wants to have a conspiracy theory that thinks he's getting run out of town by the organization. This is his decision. And I watched this audio clip and I watched this two and a half minute video, which I'll play for you right now. And you tell me, I mean, my opinion, this does sound like it is his decision. It does not sound like a guy who wants to keep playing after next season. And... I'll let you judge for yourself, but to me, this this sounds like his decision and his decision alone. Here is David Ortiz releasing this video today on the Players Tribune. I thought a lot about it, and uh, you know, uh, for every single one of us, um, 
athletes-wise, you know, we are uh, our time. We run out of time at some point, and and uh, life is based on different chapters. And uh, I think I, I'm ready to experience the next one in my life. I picked this day to announce that uh, after next season, I'm gonna be done with my career and uh, playing baseball. Like I, uh, I would like people to remember me as a. It's a guy that was just part of the family, you know, a guy that uh, was trying to do um, the best, not only on the field, with everyone around him. Uh, base for is not just based on putting up numbers. You know, this is our second family. Uh, whoever is around you on a daily basis, it's, it's, it's like your second family, and, and I always had good thoughts for everyone around me. Baseball, besides, God, it just, it just, it have just flipped my whole life over. Not just mine, my whole family, you know what I'm saying? Because I see how people struggle out there. I struggled before and, and I know how hard it is to make it to the top, you know what I'm saying? And uh, it's something that I, I gotta thank God every day for it. And I'm, I'm really proud of what I had accomplished through the years. I'm very thankful for, uh, having fans like you guys who have supported me through my career. I wish I can play another 40 years, so so uh, I have you guys behind me, but it doesn't work that way. And uh, after next year, um, time is up, so let's enjoy next season. So there you go. And now as we get ready for David Ortiz's send-off, his final season, the farewell tour, and people will say, oh, he's selfish. He wants to be in the spotlight for one more year. Well, wait. I mean, why wouldn't you? And first of all, every pro athlete's selfish. Second of all, not every pro athlete could come out, announce their retirement, and get a farewell tour. David Ortiz has been great enough in his career where he will get the farewell tour, and he deserves it. So I'm looking forward to it. While at the end of it, I'm going to be pretty emotional, like... Kind of emotional today about this stuff with David Ortiz. And um, it would be an absolute tragedy if the Boston Red Sox, if Dave Dombrowski, Mike Hazen, Red Sox ownership, it would be a tragedy, an absolute tragedy, if the Red Sox did not put together a legitimate starting rotation for David Ortiz this year. Tragedy. And they have options. They just traded for an all-star closer. Make another trade for a superstar stud pitcher. I told you on yesterday's podcast, Jose Fernandez is available. Go get him. King's ransom. That's what it's going to take. Give up the King's ransom. Go get him. Okay? If you think David Ortiz can still play, and he's given us all the signs that he can, and be a major impact, give him, give him some pitching. Give him rotation. Don't give him Clay Buckholtz. Don't give him Joe Kelly. Don't give him Wade Miley. Please, don't do Rick Porcello making $20 million a year. Don't give him that shit. Come on. Give David Ortiz something legitimate. Give him not just one top dog starter. Give him two. Go out and sign David Price. And I know there's the history between Price and Ortiz, but come on now. They, 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 that, they, you get over that real quick, okay? Even David Price, as much as maybe he didn't like how David Ortiz handled the game with his bat flip in Tampa Bay, whatever the fuck his problem was, David Price knows just how great of a player David Ortiz has been, and he wants to win a championship too. So forget about any controversy between Price and Ortiz. Something's telling me they'd make it work. 
if Ortiz is hitting home runs for David Price and David Price is striking out guys to give David Ortiz and David Ortiz offense an opportunity to win, they're both going to love each other, all right? Go sign David Price. Go out and then make a major trade. Go get Jose Fernandez. Give up the King's Ransom. Give up a Blake Swihart. You talk Jose Fernandez at 23 years old? Well, guess what? Yon Mankata is on the table for me, too. Okay? You can have him, too. I mean, you could come up with a monster package to get Jose Fernandez, and I just hope they get it done. You know, I was saying this before this David Ortiz thing came out. I'm not just saying this because David Ortiz is calling quits, and I want them to just do everything they can do for him. I mean, yeah, do everything you can do for him, but even if that wasn't happening, even if David Ortiz wasn't announcing his retirement, even if he signed an extension to play two more years, you still should be going out if you're the Red Sox and making those moves because the rotation right now and the starting pitching you do have is not very good. In fact, borderline brutal. Okay? Borderline brutal. You need to fix it. Or you're not going to win shit. And the David Ortiz farewell tour is going to be the only thing that you have on your plate as an organization this season. And while... You know, the, you go back, maybe the Derek Jeter farewell tour was, I mean, I don't know how anything could really, outside of a championship, there is no better way Derek Jeter walked off at Yankee Stadium with that hit. That ground ball to the right side, right? The beginning of that game, didn't he hit one off the top of the wall, too? He had a great game. He walked off his last game at Yankee Stadium. Then they came to Fenway, right? They gave him his moment at Fenway, at times maybe a little awkward, uh, for even, I think, Yankees fans to watch that, but it was a great send-off for Jeter. Uh, but if you're the Red Sox, you don't want it that way. As perfect as maybe that played out, you want this ending with a championship. So the only way you're going to have a shot at that, first things first, you got to win the division. Or at least get a wild card spot. But you know what? You don't set the team up each year to win the wild card, to get in a one-game playoff. That's not the way you should want it. You set the team up each year to win the division. And when you win the division... Well, you got a good shot to make a run in the postseason. But you're not going to win the division unless you fix that start in rotation. So hopefully the Red Sox can fix that soon. But uh, I was saying it before David Ortiz made this official announcement today and before we heard the news yesterday, but even more so. I mean, you want another reason? It's another reason. It's not the only reason. It's just another reason. Go out and fix the rotation. And I, I, I actually trust Dave Dombrowski that he's going to do that. I do. So, David Ortiz, we have plenty of time to look back at his career and think of all the great moments, but just my reaction to this today is I am happy that he has shut up all just the people that want to come up with these conspiracy theories, that he's getting kicked out of town, that the Red Sox are making this decision for Ortiz. So I'm happy that he comes out and speaks his mind and gives a video on Players' Tribune and says, no, 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 this is my decision. I'm 40 years old, 20 seasons coming up, I'm done. I played enough baseball. I've won championships. I want one more championship, but you know, this is it for me. If if I'm David Ortiz, you know, that's I've won everything that I need to win. And he wins the three titles and he can walk off into the sunset if he can win another one. Great. If not, in my opinion, he's still a Hall of Famer. So, I'm happy that he come out and shut some people up. I'm also heartbroken that it is the harsh reality of David Ortiz calling it quits. And um, that's what he's done today. So we got time to look back. We'll have a whole season. But, again, hopefully we're not just doing the David Ortiz farewell tour thing this season. Hopefully we're also doing uh, the David Ortiz championship 
farewell tour. But that is all going to rely on what Dave Dombrowski does here in the next couple months. So we'll keep an eye out on that. And uh, one more story, actually, before I get to my NFL Week 11 preview. It's in the National Hockey League, and it is All-Star Game related. I know, you might roll your eyes at first, but hear me out. The NHL All-Star Game is making changes. They're making changes. And they are, they are dr- dramatic, drastic changes to the way they're going to handle the All-Star Game. Okay? They're dramatic. Here's what they're going to do. Instead of two teams, there's four divisions in the NHL. They are going to take each of the four divisions, two in the East, two in the West, and they're going to give you four All-Star teams. Four All-Star teams. And with these All-Star teams, and by the way, the four teams, they are made up of nine skaters and two goalies. Nine skaters and two goalies on each team. So four All-Star teams of nine skaters each and two goalies. You say, well, only nine skaters. They're going three on three, but they're going to go tournament style, and they're going to give it to you all in one setting. Look, a hockey game is three 20-minute periods. So what they're going to do is give you three games in a tournament setting that's going to equal the three 20-minute periods. The first game is going to be, let's say, the two Eastern Conference All-Star teams, one from each division. They're going to play each other with nine skaters and two goalies on each team, okay? Um... Nine skaters are going to play three-on-three for 20 minutes in that first game. Three-on-three for 20 minutes. The winner of that game will play the winner of the two Western Conference All-Star teams in their three-on-three game for 20 minutes, which essentially is a second period of another game. And the third period, the third 20 minutes, will be the championship game between the winner of both games in a three-on-three game. I think it's pretty cool. And the winning team, they're going to split a million dollars. They're going to split a million dollars. So, and it could be more, it could be a little less, what have you. But, I mean, that is, that to me is pretty exciting. Now, I've always said this about the NHL All-Star game. I've said, I think that maybe they should go, they should cut the roster sizes down. They should go three offensive lines. They could do one game, three offensive lines, four defensemen on each team, and basically cut the rosters down. Right, because you start getting greedy when you get to the roster, you know, the all-star rosters, and the guys towards the end, you're like, eh, is he, a, is he an all-star? All right, maybe in the NHL sense he is, but for the average fan, th- does everybody know who this guy is? If you're an all-star and not everybody knows who you are, you're not really an all-star, right? The all-stars are basically the biggest names. And I thought they should play a four-on-four game. But if they want to do this, do a little tournament style, here's my only concern with this. They're going to do three-on-three. It works right now in overtime, three-on-three. That's five minutes. Three-on-three for 20 minutes? What's that going to be like? The effort level, a lot of open ice, a lot of skating. You know, a lot more skating than I think guys are usually used to in the All-Star games. But perhaps in a tournament style with open ice, you get a little bit more of a competitive spirit going. Maybe. We'll see. I mean, I do like it. I really do like it. It's going to be fun to watch. But it all comes down to what the players want. You know, did a play? It's. I would hope that they'd be skating around in a tournament format with a little bit more competitiveness than they us- usually do in the regular All-Star games. But, I mean, uh, are the players going to want to do that? I don't know. That's what, And that's what it all comes down to. So that's what the NHL is doing with their All-Star game. A huge change. They're going to give you three games in a row that will equal the three periods of the regular All-Star game. 
but with four all-star teams consistent of nine skaters and two goalies on each team, and they're going to give you three-on-three tournament format. So you're going to have divisional all-star teams in the, out of the four divisions, four all-star teams from each division, nine players and two goalies on each team. The two East teams will play the first 20 minutes. The two West teams will play the second 20 minutes. And the winners of both of those games will play the final 20 minutes in a three-on-three championship game with a million dollars on the line for the winning team. Sounds exciting. And to be honest, I can't wait. The game is going to be January 31st, or the games, the tournament, January 31st in Nashville. So, should be fun. Can't wait for it. But a lot more stuff takes place before that All-Star game and the most recent events that take place before that All-Star game. Uh, National Football League, Week 11. So why don't we get to my Week 11 preview. Every Wednesday, I preview the upcoming week in the National Football League. So let's check out what we have for Week 11. 14 games on the schedule, beginning with Tennessee in Jacksonville on Thursday Night Football. What a brutal game that is. Just an awful game. Are you going to watch? Here's the people who will watch, the people who are going to put money down on this game. And if you're interested, Jacksonville is a three-point favorite at home. Against Tennessee. Uh, Jacksonville, a three-point favorite. If you're interested, you're gambling, or you have a couple fantasy players in the li- in your lineup that are going to be playing Thursday night. That's it. If you don't have any horse in this race, gambling or fantasy, are you going to watch? Probably not. I'm pretty sure that if you are watching TV, there's going to be something better to watch on TV than this Tennessee-Jacksonville game. On Thursday night. It's a kind of a brutal way to start week 11. But that's how it will start. And it will end with the Buffalo Bills. In New England. Here in New England. Against the Patriots. On Monday night football. And uh, the Patriots are 7 point favorites in that one. They're all banged up. They get the banged up offensive line. Uh, you had lost Deion Lewis a couple weeks ago. You just lose Julian Edelman. Who probably won't be back until. Or on target to be back by. The bye week, the, which is the first round bye week that the Patriots will have going into the playoffs. So you hope you get the hope is that they'll have Edelman back after this broken bone foot surgery two days ago. The hope is they'll have Edelman back by the playoffs, by their divisional game after having a first round bye. Even without him, even with a banged up offensive line, even without Deion Lewis. Um, they can beat the Buffalo Bills at home. They already beat the Buffalo Bills on the road. And I, to, to be honest, I think that would be a tougher game. And that was a tougher game in Buffalo, and they still won it. They still put up 40 points, and they still beat a Bills defense that a lot of people were talking about, including myself, uh, to be very good this year. But the Patriots at home should be able to take care of business against Buffalo. And to be quite honest, I know I told you don't be concerned about the Giants last week, and it was a much closer game than I expected, but the Patriots pulled it off. The Patriots will pull this one off on Monday night as well. So, Len, let's get to the Sunday afternoon games, huh? Because Sunday at 1, here's where they begin on Sunday. The Redskins go to Carolina to take on the Panthers. There's two undefeated teams left in the NFL. With Cincinnati losing Monday night to Houston, the only two undefeated teams, the Carolina Panthers and the New England Patriots. I just told you the Patriots are going to win and beat Buffalo. Will the Carolina Panthers remain undefeated and also be 10-0 and after Week 11? The answer is yes. They're at home against the Redskins. The Redskins are going to be so high on themselves coming into this game because they are coming off a win against the New Orleans Saints in which Washington put up 
47 points at home, okay? Against, but we know this New Orleans defense is terrible. But Washington, they're going to be feeling real good about themselves. They got the kid Jones confident running. And uh, they're going to run into a good defense in Carolina. And there is no way. I've seen Cam Newton. You watch him play. If he can't throw the touchdown pass, he's going to run it in. That's it. And you know what? He's going to have a great time celebrating. What are people complaining that he's dancing too much? Or they don't like somebody, someone's mother sent a letter to the Carolina Panthers complaining that they don't like the way Cam Newton dances? Oh, man. Would you stop being so fucking sensitive, would you? I mean, there are worse things going on in the world right now than Cam Newton dancing. Is he dancing even inappropriately? I don't know. He's having fun. He's having a great time. The Panthers love it. The fans should love it. Don't complain. Everybody's finding a reason to complain about something. People in Carolina, you need to embrace this. You are seeing a great season from a quarterback who is who has turned into a great leader and has turned into somebody that's willing to do whatever it takes, even putting his body on the line, to get into that end zone with an offense that is not star-studded. It's not. I mean, so many times we complained here in New England about Tom Brady maybe not having enough weapons. Give me the weapons. Give me the weapons that, that Cam Newton has. I mean, how, he doesn't have any. So Cam Newton right now is having an MVP-type season. People in Carolina need to embrace that. You know what? Embrace the celebration. Embrace the dancing. Whether it's inappropriate or not, embrace it. Because it's a lot better than not dancing. It's a lot better than not scoring touchdowns. It's a lot better than losing. Okay? Carolina's seven-and-a-half point favorite at home against the Redskins. Carolina will win this game, and they will remain undefeated. Then you get Oakland. They go to Detroit to take on the Lions. The Oakland Raiders, right now, they you look at them in the standings. They are four and five. Uh, they have now lost two straight. Because last weekend, they lost to the Minnesota Vikings 30-14. to A very good Minnesota team that is absolutely going to the playoffs. But if you're Oakland, look, at 4-5, and five, you're still in a playoff race. On the outside looking in right now, but you got Buffalo who's in. If, if the playoffs begin today, Buffalo's in at 5-4 and four with a wild card. And so is Pittsburgh with the top wild card at 6-4. and four. Pittsburgh has a bye. And by the way, I should mention the four bye teams this week. Uh, you have the Browns, the Saints, the Giants, and Pittsburgh, the Steelers, as I mentioned. And it's the last week, by the way, that teams will get a bye. This is the last week of buys for any team. Starting week 12, no more teams will have a bye, and everybody will play the rest of the schedule. But Oakland, you know, they are going to go into Detroit, and they are going to have a big win for themselves. They're going to get back to 500, and they're going to remain in this playoff race. I am convinced of that. So I expect Oakland to go into Detroit, even though Detroit just went into Lambeau and beat Green Bay. The Lions are two-and-a-half-point favorites. I am very comfortable right now telling you that Oakland will win this game and they will cover. It's a, That two-and-a-half is jumping off the page to me. Like, I, need to, I, need, I don't make my picks with the spread until Friday. Every Friday I give you five games with the spread. It's a segment I call Picks Picks every Friday. But just an early look at it. And sort of getting my eyes going to what jumps off the page here. Sometimes you get a couple of these games that'll jump out off the page on Wednesday. I know I don't pick it till Friday. But Oakland at minus two and a half in Detroit. Woo! 
I, I'd be all over that if I'm making picks right now. I'd be all over an early Oakland minus two and a half in Detroit. Oakland is going to snap a two-game losing skid and win this game, and they should win it by at least three points. Then, at one o'clock as well, you got Dallas going to Miami. The Dolphins are a one-point underdog. This is a one-point spread. This is another one that jumps out to me because Tony Romo is returning. Tony Romo is going to play in this game. He is returning, and the Cowboys are a one-point favorite. They are going to go in and win in Miami, okay? That is what's going to happen. And right now, the Cowboys find themselves in the playoff picture in dead last in the NFC. Out of the 16 teams, they are in 16th with a 2-7 and seven record. But you look, at their, you look at their schedule. In Miami, I told you they're going to win this Sunday. Then they come home to play the Carolina Panthers. That's going to be a tough game for Carolina, given the fact that Tony Romo's going to play. Des Bryant is back. Tony Romo's on the center. I tell you right now, this is they're getting some big runs out of McFadden. Dallas is going to all of a sudden return to form and be a team that can win you some games, and that's going to be a very tough game in two weeks for Carolina. Then Dallas goes to Washington. They should take care of the Redskins with Romo. Then they go to Green Bay. From what we've seen out of Green Bay, even at Lambeau, if Detroit can go into Lambeau and beat Green Bay, anybody can. Tony Romo certainly can too. And then you come home against the Jets, to Buffalo, and then at home against the Redskins. Look, out of those one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, can the Dallas Cowboys, if they can win five and they can get to seven and seven, right, and then end the season seven and nine, that could win you that NFC East. If you let the teams beat up on each other at the end of the season, and perhaps if you can take care of the Redskins in those two games, guess what? You might end up owning the tiebreaker over either the Giants or the Eagles, or who knows, either, or maybe even over the Redskins, because the second tiebreaker, First tiebreak is head-to-head, but since they split with the Giants, uh, you look at that, let's say the Giants win, or they win with the same record as Dallas. The first tiebreak of head-to-head doesn't count, so you go to win percentage within your division, and if Dallas can win these two games against Washington and have the same record as the first-place Giants, then, then Dallas will win the tiebreaker. There's still a shot. It is a very long shot, but it, there is still a shot that the 2-7 and seven Cowboys can win the NFC East. They have to go on a serious run to do it, and they need the Giants, the Eagles to beat up on each other, and the Redskins to beat up on each other here down the stretch as well. But it is mathematically possible, and with Romo coming back, the mathematically possible turns, or at least should give some people in Dallas a little bit more hope that you could go on a run because this schedule is not impossible here moving forward. But Dallas, the next game up in their schedule is in Miami Sunday at 1. The Cowboys with Romo, they will win that game. Then you get the Indianapolis Colts in Atlanta to take on the Falcons. The Colts are a six-point dog in this one. Uh, They're getting some competition in their division with Houston beating Cincy the other night. I still feel confident that the Colts are going to win that division, even with Andrew Luck injured. Hasselbeck's going to be under center. Atlanta, they play down to their competition. The Falcons, they've lost two straight against two bad teams, San Francisco and Tampa Bay. So they are not this big, bad, powerhouse Falcons team that can't be beat, even at home. I'm going to give the Colts a shot in this one. Ultimately, I think the Falcons, you know, I, I think they squeeze one out at home. But, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they, if they don't do it. 
Uh, and I wouldn't be surprised if Indy can win one or two of their next three or four while Andrew Luck is out. So I think Colts will still win their division. And uh, this is going to be a close game in Atlanta. I, to be honest, I wouldn't be surprised if either team ends up winning. But if you want me to make a pick straight up right now, I'd say Atlanta. I'll take advantage of the home cooking. They win at home just barely over the Colts led by Hassel, Matt Hasselbeck. Uh, then you got St. Louis goes into Baltimore. The Rams just blew it last week. Uh, just an awful loss to the Chicago Bears. Here's, here I was saying that the Rams are going to cover last week at minus seven at home. They go on, They couldn't do that. They lost that game to Chicago. They're now benching Nick Foles, and they're going to start Case Keenum, their backup quarterback. I have no idea how this is going to work out for them, but I do know that Baltimore's defense is no good. But it's in Baltimore so given the unknown that is Case Keenum, I, I probably, I'd tell you to stay away, but if you're asking me to make a pick on this game, Baltimore is going to win because they are at home. And if that happens, St. Louis, you look at them right now at 4-5, and five, you can count them out if they can't even beat the Ravens. But given the fact that they're going to go to Case Keenum, I can't see how you sit there and say, oh, they'll go into Baltimore and win as bad as Baltimore is. It's just that big unknown with Case Keenum. I have no idea what you're going to see out of him. So uh, I'll have to take the home team on this one in Baltimore. Then you get the Jets in Houston against the Texans. I assume T.J. Yates, who came into this game on Monday night for Brian Hoyer, I assume Yates is going to be the starting quarterback on a short week for Houston, a Houston team that is now alive again in their division, which is pathetic, but they are at 4-5. and five. But the Jets, uh, I think that the Jets, who right now, if the playoffs began at 5-4, and four, are on the outside looking in just barely because they lost to Buffalo on Thursday night football. So they got an extended week of preparation time. But the Jets, you look at their schedule at Houston against Miami, at the Giants, at home against Tennessee, at Dallas, which is going to be a tough game, as I mentioned, with Romo playing for Dallas, New England, Buffalo. It's not an impossible schedule for the Jets. I do think that they could finish with eight or nine wins. And I think that they certainly could go into Houston and beat a Texans team that might be, you know, with J.J. Watt leading the ranch before the game, they might be this team that I think could be all talk going into this one. Because J.J. Watt loves to talk, and he loves to tell us about how hot he works out and how big of a, um, you know, how, how much work ethic he has and, and how good he is. And I'm just, oh, please, stop. Enough. Stop talking about yourself. In fact, stop talking at all. We know you're a great player. Go out and prove it and go out and beat a New York Jets team. If you can't do that, then you don't even deserve to win your division, a division that has Andrew Luck injured right now uh, for the first-place team. I still don't think Houston will win the division, and I think the Jets will go into Houston and win on Sunday. The Jets, a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Then you got Tampa Bay. They go into Philadelphia. The Eagles, they are coming off a terrible loss to the Miami Dolphins, but they should at home beat this Tampa Bay Buccaneers team. Uh, a Tampa Bay Buccaneers team, I feel like whenever I watch them, they are prone to mistakes. The Buccaneers are 4-5. and five. They are not going to win their division because Carolina is 9-0. and oh. I guess realistically, you got to put Tampa Bay in the playoff picture because they are only two games out of one of the two wild card spots, but Tampa Bay is not better than Atlanta. They're not better than Green Bay. And out of some of the other teams that are battling, I still don't think they're better than a Seattle, who's at four and five now. They might not even be better than Philly, and Philly is at home. And as I mentioned, they ju- they're just coming off a loss to the Dolphins at home. I get that. 
but I'm still going to take Philly to to bounce back and bounce back strong, even with Sam Bradford out with what the pos- the concussion. Mark Sanchez came into that game last week. Sanchez under center. You know how I feel about it. I think Sanchez is the better talent under center anyways. So I'm going to give the Eagles the nod here and say they bounce back as a five-and-a-half-point favorite and beat a Buccaneers team that they should beat, given the fact that this game is in Philly, even with Mark Sanchez as their quarterback. Uh, next, 1 o'clock, Denver goes into Chicago. They got Osweiler. He is going to be the starting quarterback for Denver. Peyton Manning is going to sit out. He's dealing with that foot injury. But if you look at Chicago and their run defense is one of the worst in football, the Bears, even in Chicago, I think the Broncos probably feel like they can go into Chicago and run the football in Chicago, run the football all over the Bears, and have a chance to win with Tlaib coming back defensively for Denver. Demarcus Weir still banged up. Doesn't look like he'll play. But you get Tlaib back. You get him to cover Jeffrey, the big body. That'll be a physical matchup. Takes that option away. I like Denver's D with Tlaib returning. And I like Denver's offense still without Peyton Manning. They'll have the ability to run the football on Chicago. The Broncos are a one-point dog. They have lost two straight now. But they will bounce back in Chicago even without Peyton Manning. That's how I feel about it. And uh, that will set them up for that Week 12 game against the Patriots on Sunday Night Football next week. But I have the Broncos beating the Bears on Sunday in Chicago. And then the 4 o'clock games on Sunday, Kansas City goes into San Diego. Uh, The San Diego Chargers, what a terrible season they have had. And it just seems to keep getting worse and worse and worse for them. They are 2-7. They have lost five straight games and uh, they look, they're going up against the Kansas City team that if you look, you know, maybe don't look now, but Kansas City, well, they have won three straight. And they are four and five. And technically, you've got to put them in a playoff race when the final wild card spot right now is at five and four. But Kansas City, you look at some of their wins. I just, they, a couple wins ago, they beat Pittsburgh without Big Ben. Landry Jones was the QB there, and uh, I feel like if Big Ben was playing, Kansas City would not have won that game, and they probably would only have three wins, and I probably wouldn't take them serious. Uh, They just beat a Denver team that their defense was depleted. Denver had no Tlaib. They had no Demarcus Ware. So I I don't know how much I can take Kansas City seriously. Really, I really don't. But this will be a game I think that could possibly just be a coin flip. Between two teams that ultimately I don't think are going to go to the playoffs. But if Kansas City does win, you know, if Buffalo loses to the Patriots, let's say the Jets go into Houston and and Houston plays well and they beat the Jets. Well, all of a sudden, you're looking at Kansas City in the playoffs. So Kansas City's playing for something. I don't know what San Diego's playing for right now because San Diego is down and out at 2-7. and seven. So maybe that fires up KC uh, to go into San Diego and win. But I do think that if you take a step back from the playoff picture for a minute and look at the talent, it's a coin flip. I do. I think it's a coin flip. Kansas City and San Diego. Then at 425, Green Bay. This one is a pick Green Bay in Minnesota against the Vikings. This had, this is potentially, potentially a first-round playoff matchup in the wild-card round. And you look at this game, and you're talking about implications for home field advantage in that potential first-round game. 
So this one is going to be in Minnesota. If the playoffs began today, Minnesota leads the division at 7-2 and two because Green Bay has lost three straight, and they just lost to Detroit at home. And Minnesota, they are absolutely rolling right now. The Minnesota Vikings, they have won five straight games. They are 7-2. and two. The Packers' defense is not a scary defense. Minnesota's got a, a very solid defense, and Teddy Bridgewater's playing. Look, he does not make mistakes. He doesn't throw interceptions. And they got one of the best running backs on the planet. They should be able to run on a Green Bay defense, rush defense, that is, that allows 116 yards a game on the ground that ranks 24th in the league out of 32 teams. So their rush defense in Green Bay is not very good. And Minnesota ranks second in the league. Second, that's right, second in the league at points per game, allowing only 17.1. It's in Minnesota. Look, don't be surprised if Green Bay loses four straight. And this is a potential also first-round playoff matchup in which Green Bay is going to Minnesota in the wild card round. And this could be basically a preview in Minnesota, Minnesota-Green Bay, of a first-round playoff matchup. But I do think that Minnesota right now, uh, I'd, I'd be... Look, I, I'd be leaning towards picking them to win this game if you made me pick right now. And then at 425, again, you got San Francisco in Seattle. The Seahawks coming off a tough loss to the Arizona Cardinals. And right now, the Seahawks are at 4-5. and five. They are not going to win their division. Arizona right now at 7-2. and two. Arizona will win that division. But uh, Seattle, they are still alive mathematically in a playoff race for the wild card in the NFC. But it's not going to be what they're used to to get the home field advantage. But even in even at home this year, Seattle has not been great. So Seattle, though, at home in this one against a bad 49ers team, the Seahawks are a 12.5-point favorite. Eh, will they cover? I think it's high. 49ers, Seahawks. I still think there's the possibility of this being a close divisional game. And um, I guess the question for the Seahawks is, are they going to find Jimmy Graham and realize that he is a superstar, or at least once was a superstar receiver in this league? The Seahawks, though, at home, they need to play much better defense than they played against Arizona. But, I mean, I can't knock them too much because Arizona has a tremendous offense this season that's firing on all cylinders. But Seahawks should be able to beat San Fran. Will they cover? Eh, I'd stay away. That spread's high. Seahawks should win the game, though, at home against the 49ers. And then the Sunday night game, which was actually flexed in, right? I don't think this was originally the Sunday night game. Cincinnati in Arizona to take on the Cardinals. Uh, The Bengals, who are coming off their first loss of the season, they could not remain undefeated. Hey, You know, if A.J. Green doesn't fumble that football, I think that Dalton's going to lead them into score. So even though Dalton did not have a very good game when it comes to putting up points because the Bengals didn't even score a touchdown in this one, so clearly you have to blame – that blame goes on the quarterback as well. But that final drive, well, he was driving them. Dalton was driving them on Monday night. And uh, they just – you know, they A.J. Green, he couldn't hold on to the football. But Cincinnati, this is going to be a great game. In Arizona, Cardinals are five-point favorites. Uh, I'd like to say that Cincinnati will bounce back, but Arizona has got a very good D as well. And you know how I feel about the Cardinals this season. I do think that they're destined for that first-round bye in the NFC along with Carolina. So I would probably give the edge to Arizona in this game, given the fact that it is in Arizona. I think that if it was in Cincinnati... 
Even given what happened on Monday night, I may be leaning towards the Bengals to bounce back. But in Arizona, I'll go with the Cardinals. And then wrapping up the week, as I mentioned, Buffalo in New England. I'm going to take the Patriots in this one uh, to win. So Patriots will be undefeated when they go to Denver next week. That is week number 11 in the National Football League. I'll talk a little bit more. Though, do you re- I say that tomorrow. I'll talk a little bit more about the Thursday night game. I don't think so, actually. I, I don't know that I'm going to talk a little bit more about that because it's an awful game. I don't even know that I'm going to watch it. Tennessee, Jacksonville. Because you know what I have tomorrow in studio? Dominic Cruz, UFC. Dominic Cruz, he is in studio before his big fight uh, in January at the TD Garden against TJ Dillashaw. Dillashaw Cruz, they got the big fight. For the UFC Bantamweight Championship, Uh, again, uh, Dominic Cruz, he is going to join me tomorrow in studio as we'll talk about his fight against TJ Dillashaw coming up and a couple other things that I want to get to. I want his reaction on the Ronda Rousey knockout, Uh, Hollywood home knocking out Ronda Rousey this past weekend. And I might even ask him about the Cotto Canelo stuff that's been going on. Cotto Canelo, big boxing match, big fight uh, this weekend. So uh, Dominic Cruz will join me tomorrow in the studio. Make sure you check it out. I'm here every weekday. You can get the show whenever you want, though, at dannypicard.com. Subscribe to the Danny Picard Show on iTunes. Follow me on Twitter, at Danny Picard. Like my Facebook page, facebook.com slash the Danny Picard Show. And, of course, I'm on all forms of social media, including Instagram, at Danny Picard. Uh, tomorrow, again, Dominic Cruz in studio. I'm out. Talk to you then.